Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let us go to God in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for yet another opportunity for you to reveal how much of a genius you actually are. And God, no one has more wisdom, no one has more understanding, no one has more clarity, no one has more eloquence of speech. So God, we are calling upon you this night to speak and speak as you will, oh God. May you stir up in each of us what you need to be stirred up and may you create an atmosphere in our hearts, our minds, our bodies, and our souls, oh God, where we're on fire for you and we're gonna seek you like we've never sought you before. God, we give you this session and we pray that you bless it for your honor and your glory. Jesus, we tell you thanks in your holy and in your precious name we pray, amen. Tonight, the topic is when belief doesn't mean you believe. When belief doesn't mean you believe. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. There's something that we misconstrue all the time. And it's, what is the difference between belief and faith? Do they mean the same thing? Do belief and faith mean the same thing? Look at that word belief. If you look at it really good, what do you notice is right in the middle of the word belief? What word is right in the middle of the word belief? lie exactly and a lot of us believe lies easier than we believe truth that's a fact i love the english language you can play with this language all day and come up with some fun stuff <laughs> blessed be the name of the lord but we're going to go into this tonight let's talk about this james chapter 2 verses 14 through 26 it says what good is it my brothers and sisters if, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. <laughs> the foolish person, do you want evidence? You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. Now watch this. And scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God. Okay. So the first step you've got to pay attention to is belief. Belief comes before faith. And we're going to talk about this in a moment. Belief comes before faith. So here it is. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. So you ain't God's friend until you what? You must first believe. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I have a question for you. Some of us really have kind hearts and we'll do anything for anybody, right? But even though you're willing to do anything for anybody, you will go the extra mile for your friend. Is that not right? Bear that in mind. 
Bear that in mind as we go along. Why is it important that you are in a relationship with God? Now look, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. Now look at this. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, not what they say, not what they think, not what they feel. A person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Remember, Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. And it was that belief that caused him to walk out on faith to put his son on an altar to be offered. Even though God gave him the word that by his seed, the nations would be blessed. If you can count the sand on the seashore, you can count the number of defendants you will have, Abraham, and that seed will be your son. But here comes God after and is telling him to sacrifice the son he told him the seed was going to come from. But it was his belief in God. It was his faith in God that allowed him to go all the way up to the mount and sacrifice that son. He didn't have to. Because it was a test to see if he had faith in what God told him would come to pass. But he first believed. He first believed. In the same way, look at verse 25. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did. When she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead. So faith without deed is dead. Tonight we're talking about what is the difference between belief and faith. And we're gonna find out, we're gonna go deeper. So question of faith, what is the difference between faith and belief? We just saw there's a distinction, but what's the difference? What is the difference? Let's look at this, faith versus belief. Faith is the strong trust and confidence in something or someone. Belief is a state or habit of mind in which trust or confidence is placed in some person or a thing, right? Now, mostly you, faith is mostly used to refer to religion, right? Now, same vein, used in more general context for belief. Faith is to imply devotion. Devoted. You're devoted to something, right? Devotion. Belief does not apply, does not imply devotion. You can believe in something, but you don't necessarily have to be devoted to it, right? Now, with faith, strong and unwavering trust in the religion. Now, I'm, the word religion is here, and I know that we have gotten away from this word called religion because people have polluted the word religion. But in its origin, the word religion was a beautiful thing until people messed it up, all right? So strong and unwavering trust in the religion. Now, belief may not be as strong as faith. So there's a distinction. It may, belief may not be as strong as faith. But let's take this to another level because I need you to see what I'm saying. Faith and belief. Faith is defined as willing, as willing adventure that plays a part in all discoveries. It reaches the ideally possible. Belief is defined as that which is concerned with fact 
or actuality. See, in order for you to believe something, you have to know that it's actual. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You first have to believe and then faith can be activated. Let me explain what I mean. The scripture says, now faith is the substance, substance, substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Huh? What? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. In other words, you don't have it. But the, the mere fact that you have faith that you're going to get it is sustaining you. The evidence of things not seen. I don't know where the provision is going to come from, but I know God's going to provide it so I can rest on that. I can have hope in that. I can have faith in that because I am putting my faith in God because I believe in God. That's to be the name of the Lord. If you really want to put it in another context, faith, faith is the car. Faith is the car, but belief is the key to turn the car on. It doesn't make sense that you got a Mercedes AMG parked in your driveway, but you don't got a key. What's the point? What's the point? Right? Look. Now, here we go. For God, now watch this, power and belief. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever what? Believes in him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It doesn't say whosoever has faith. And I want you to get this. Get this. You can't get to a place of faith until you first believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish and have everlasting life. Let's go another way. I want you guys to see what I'm saying. You ever heard the saying, it's only the tip of the iceberg and there's so much that is beneath the surface pertaining to that iceberg? So it is with you as a person. On the top, you have your behavior and your capacities, right? And if you look to the left, you're going to see it says, what do you do and what are you capable of? And if you look all the way to the right, it's talking about external conscious, conscious, right? And this is what's above surface. But now if you look at what's below surface, your internal conscience, there is so much more to this iceberg. And there's so much more to you that people cannot see your convictions, your beliefs, your values, your identity. Because a lot of times we hide who we are. We put on these masks. You put on these fake facades. You put on all these things to give an image. We're trying to portray an image that is so false that it's unbelievable. Even to you. Even to you. Your convictions. What's your opinion? What do you feel? What do you want? What drives you? Who are you? Your beliefs are in the middle of all of these things that are in your internal unconscious, that drive who you are. Your decisions that you make are based on what you believe or don't. 
believe. So you can see where belief can be the foundation for what faith will bring you. Now let's go further. So what is faith? And here is the platform. Belief is your foundation. It moves on to trust. You can embrace what you can trust. <clears throat> Blessed be the name of the Lord. Then it becomes a situation where it's in your head. And what I mean by it, it's in your head is that you're able to meditate. You're able to think on it. And when something goes to your heart, it means that you become emotionally attached to it. And what do, what do you mean by emotionally attached to it? Meaning that it's not just something you believe, but it's something you are taking on. You're taking on the persona of what it is that you believe. If someone speaks badly about your God, you're going to be offended. Right? If you're not in communication with your God for an extended period of your time, you feel empty. You feel a void. Right? The heart. And then action. Your belief in God as the foundation is supposed to spring you into action. And the action you're supposed to be sprung into is actually going to open up doors for you to be a blessing to somebody else. That's to be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Belief is the springboard to faith. But that faith now is going to lead you into action. It's a verb. Hallelujah. Now look at this verse. James chapter 2 verse 26. Look at this. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. But you cannot have faith without belief. And the problem that we're going through in our Christian walk with God is that our faith keeps taking hits. <coughs> Excuse me. Because our belief keeps taking hits. Our belief keeps taking hits because the things that we want, the things we expect, they're not coming to fruition. So now we're not saying that God we're willing to wait on you. The somebody says, I don't mind waiting. If you sing that song, you better hope that you actually can wait. Because if you're impatient and you don't have the ability to wait on God, you're going to question him. And when you begin to question God, doubt creeps in. And what doubt says to God, when you doubt, when you worry, worry is the interest that you pay on trouble before it's due. When you worry, when you worry, what you're telling God is that I don't think you're able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could ever ask of me. Now, but look at this verse. But without faith, it is impossible. Listen to this. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must do what? You cannot have faith until you first believe. Hello? <laughs> right? So I'm going to start from the beginning. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Faith is always available 
to you, but it has to be built on a foundation of belief. You cannot have one, well, let me not say that way. You cannot have faith without belief. You certainly believe in something without faith, but you cannot have faith without faith. Amen. I'll come back to verse 23 here, and that's why I brought it back up again. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. You have to have the belief. You have to believe. Okay, you don't believe me? Let's go. Faith. Faith is great. But if you move from a position of having faith, you then move into a position of doubt. Right? So then, I was waiting for somebody to ask me the question, but nobody asked. So let me answer it for you. How do you get faith? I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you. <laughs> Where do we get faith? All right. I have an Amazon account. I'm a Prime member. Can I go on there and find faith and have it shipped to me by the next day? Can I do that? Can you imagine? It'll be sold out in an instant. So faith comes. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That's Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. So if anybody asks you, how do I build my faith? Your answer is Romans 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Okay. Want me to explain a little bit deeper? I will. We can't obey God's word until we first listen to his word. You got to get in the book. You got to get in the book. I'm very sorry. I, I can't tell you anything else. But you've got to get in the book. You've got to get in the book. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You've got to get in the book. Now watch this. What happens when our belief is weak? What happens when your belief is weak? If you build on a foundation that is not sure, what happens to the building? Humble. When you hear that people backslide, when you hear that people cannot believe in God, when you find that people are not able to walk with the Lord, you must go to the foundation and ask them about their belief system. That should be the name of the Lord. What type of soil? Oh my gosh, that, that, that word you just gave can send me in 19 different directions. But it's okay. That should be the name of the Lord. The soil. What do you do with soil? You plant seeds in the soil, expecting a return on what you planted. In finance, you call it ROI, return on investment. You took the time, you put the seed in, you're waiting for something to blossom and bloom and fruit to come off of that. But faith, faith is the same. I believe in you, oh God. I trust in you, oh Lord. And I'm expecting and he's going to honor your expectation because that is who our God is. He likes to show up 
and he loves to show out. That's to be the name of the Lord. That's who he is. This is what he loves. This is what he does. That's to be the name of the Lord. Now, I'm going to touch this briefly, and I can always come back to this at a later time, but as we know, time is not my friend. So I want to just give us an idea of what I'm talking about. There are different kinds of faith. There's little faith. There's great faith. There's much faith. There's all these other kinds of faith. But tonight, I want to talk a little bit about little faith. Matthew 6, verse 30. Doubts God's planning, the power, and the presence to bless. It doubts God's protection. Matthew 14, verse 31. It's expressing fear. Matthew 8, verse 26. And shows a lack of spiritual depth and understanding. Matthew 16, verses 5 to 12. Read these scriptures and anything that's in here mimics your faith. You got to talk to the Father fast because you have a problem. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So let's go. Now, I want to talk to us about a scripture coming from Mark. Mark, I didn't put it up here, but I'm going to tell you what it is. It's Mark chapter 9. We're going from verse 14 to 29. I'm going to read the story, and then I'm going to break it down with the time that I have remaining. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we're going to begin to understand why we have to talk about the difference between faith and belief. We're going to see it and how it applies to us. This story is us sometimes all day, every day. Right? So let's look at it. Jesus heals a boy with an unclean spirit. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples, cast it out and they were not able and he answered them oh faithless generation how long am i to be with you? how long am i to bear with you bring him to me and they brought the boy to him and when the spirit saw him lowercase so it's definitely not god bear that in mind immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth and jesus asked his father how long has this been happening to him? You know the amazing thing about that? Do you think Jesus did not know how long this has been happening to him? But I digress. How long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything now, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But if you can do anything, but if you can do anything, because remember, remember what happened. Go back up for a minute to verse 17. And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you. I brought my son to you. Right? But who did he get in contact with first? The disciples. For he has a spirit that makes him mute, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. And he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples, 
came looking for Jesus when he got the disciple. But the problem was the disciples couldn't cast it out and they were not able to come back down. Come back down. Right? Come back down to verse 22. Is it verse 22? Yeah. Uh, no, go back up to verse... Yes, verse 22. And has come, and it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, I brought my child to you people. They couldn't do nothing. So all this thing I heard about you being the Messiah, all these things I heard about you being God, all this I heard about you, yeah, 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 yeah. If you can do anything, doubt, doubt. So the question that I have is this to you who are listening to me now. When you have your issues, do you go to God or do you go to people that will fail you? And when you go to people that will fail you, the problem with that is that it ends up that you look on God sideways because his people that you went to really aren't in him. So God isn't using them. So then you take it to mean that God can't do it. No, God just isn't doing it through them. Doubt creeps in. Doubt creeps in. But this man is desperate. This man is desperate for his son to be healed. So look at it. He says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can. <laughs> Jesus is like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It's like, if you want a better way to describe it, you can see where Jesus is like, this dude really don't know who I am. <laughs> he didn't get a clue yet. So I got to let him know if he can. He repeated it like, this dude is crazy. He has no idea what I'm capable of. But you know what? All things are possible for one who does what? All things are possible for one who believes. Immediately. The father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Oh, wow. I believe, but help my unbelief. That's like me. I love what you said, Kingsley. I love what you said. That's like me saying to my wife, you know, I love you, but help me love you. Huh? What? <laughs> it's, a, it's a contrary, but what you said is perfect. Right? Now let's keep going. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Now, I know someone's going to ask me, so let me just say it. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And the key there is righteous. This is why they could not cast it out. They were not fully converted and they did not fully believe. They walked with him. They talked with him. But the worst part was they really didn't know him. So this is why the power didn't show up. This is why the Holy Spirit wasn't activated. But let's keep going. Right? Now, 
The weakness of men and the fallen nature of our world. This is Mark 9, 14 through 18. I got to give you the context so you understand what was happening. An arguing crowd. As Jesus returns, he finds his disciple involved in a dispute with the scribes. While it is not only an unusual scene, it is a quick reminder of the realities of living in a fallen world. It's also reminiscent of the chaos Moses found as he returned from Mount Sinai. A demon-possessed boy and a helpless father. As Jesus engages the crowd, the first to speak up is a father of a boy whose life has been ravaged by demon possession. Mark gives a lot of time to the description of the boy's pain and the father's desperation. The inability of the disciples. While this father came to the disciples with hope, they were unable to help despite having cast out demons on other occasions. Just because God used you yesterday, if you ain't right, it don't mean he'll use you today. What's the application? There is so much in this passage that reminds us of our weakness and inability. Here we are confronted with the pain and disappointments of living in a fallen world, right? Now, Jesus' rebuke of the faithlessness, his disciples. After assessing the situation, Jesus issues a rebuke. He rebukes his disciples. Why? For their lack of faith. For their lack of faith. And if your faith is lacking, what is really lacking? Your belief. Your belief is at the core of everything. And this was the problem. These are men that he will soon entrust with his mission to the world. But at this point, they, be con they continue to slow to learn. They are persistently weak in faith and in their dependence on God. Now, how do we apply this to our own lives? Right through the Old Testament into the New, we see that these are type of interactions that were happening where God had to rebuke his people, right? And we fall into the same pattern. While God has been faithful, we are quick to doubt his goodness and his care for us and slow to go to him with our needs, right? The father's desperate plea. One thing that is clear is the father's recognition of his need. So at this point, yeah, I went to God, but I got to your disciples. It didn't work. I really am functioning from a place of doubt, but I really have a need. So if you can make this happen, make it happen. But if you can't make it happen, I'm about to keep it moving. That's basically what he's saying to him. But when Jesus speaks to him, and when you have a true encounter with God, it changes everything. Right? While it's less severe than his rebuke of the disciples, Jesus calls out a deficiency in the man's request. While the man used a qualifier in his request, if you can, Jesus calls for confident faith. After all, all things are possible for the one who believes. Now, here's your application to this in your own life. While Jesus is suggesting that God will grant us everything we ask for, he is calling us to ask in faith, to ask knowing and believing that God is able. The key to it is just being there and knowing that he's able. You may not get what you ask for, but if you simply know that he is able, that is all you need. Blessed be the name of the Lord, right? Just know that he's able and that nothing is impossible with him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God never answers out of a lack of ability. The scriptures are there. Now, this is the point that I want to talk about. And I have to, I might just close with this portion because this is where we all are. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You see, at this moment, 
what this man, his father, was in a desperate place, was saying, is that, you know what, if you do this for me, I'll believe you. But ultimately, I really don't believe you. And we say this to God all the time. I'll believe you if I can get what I want. I believe you so that you can bless me by paying my bills. Lord, I believe you that you can give me the healing. But to help my unbelief means I really don't believe. I'm not at that place where I really believe. I'm not at that place where faith can be built up because I don't believe. So help my unbelief. I trust you for what you can do, but I don't trust you enough to give you my heart. I trust you that you, I believe in you that you can you can heal me, but surrender my life to you. I'm not there. Help my unbelief. But he was desperate. So again, what happens when our belief is weak, right? And it's this verse. It's this verse. It's this verse. He said, so I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. He was slick talking Jesus. They weren't able. I don't believe it. I went to them. They couldn't do it. God, I trusted you. You didn't do it when I wanted you to. It didn't come when I needed it or when I wanted it. So I don't trust you anymore. This is where we find ourselves. The father responds with a confession of faith and a cry for help. This is good and appropriate prayer. Even on our best days, we are people of imperfect faith. In our weakness, we should come to God bringing our request with faith we possess and asking for increased faith. Now look. Now look. Jesus frees the boy and gives him new life. We knew, we, we read that already. We saw that. Right? The necessity of prayerful dependency on God. That's the sticking point. You've got to get to this place where you understand that you need God and you're dependent upon him for everything. Not just some things. Not just for the rain that's falling right now in your life. The storm that's brewing in your life. But for the totality of your life. And when you reach that place, then there's peace. There's rest. There's joy. Because you realize that the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. Amen. Lord, I believe help my unbelief. It was a righteous prayer because he was admitting that he was off. He was admitting that he was not where he ought to be. But he wanted deliverance and he wanted his son to be healed. He's willing to do anything. But I'm telling you tonight, make sure that your only goal in reaching God is not just what he can do for you, but who he can be for you. That's to be the name of the Lord. Help my unbelief. God bless you all in Jesus' name. Amen.